Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. I want to talk to you out of a verse of scripture that you're familiar with in the Gospel of John where Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But basically, I want to talk to you about the most important thing in the world. And I think you'll agree as I tell you what it is. The most important thing in the world, above everything else, is that you are saved, a saved person, on your way to heaven. You see, in a 100 years, a 100 years from now, you're not going to care about if you uh, got that raise or what kind of fashion is going on. Uh, in a hundred years, you won't be here. N none of us will be. So in a hundred years from now, the most important thing at that time in your life, and you will still be alive, you will be around somewhere, is are you saved or not? So I, I just want you to think about that thought. Are you saved? Are you sure you are saved? I'm not asking you if... If you're a nice person, because most of you look pretty nice. Um, of course, you know, looks can deceive. So, uh, but you look great. But it's not, are you a nice person? It's not, are you a religious person or a sincere person or a well-meaning person or an educated person? Simply put, when you strip it all away, are you a saved person? Now, if you, um, if you were in a, in a burning house and a fireman... They're so good at their job. If a fireman came in and delivered you and you um, weren't going to die, we would say that the fireman did what to you? He saved you. You were saved from the fire. If you were out in the ocean and you were caught in the undertow and you were being taken out and uh, a lifeguard jumped off the booth and swam out and brought you back in, we would say that he or she saved you. So when we talk about freedom, when we talk about liberty, uh, as believers, we, we take it to a whole new level, a whole different level. How thankful we are for men and women who have served in our military and given us the kind of freedoms we enjoy. But there's only one man who died and gave his life to save you for all eternity from your sin and my sin, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why this freedom celebration is better and deeper than any other kind of 4th of July week. Now, technically, as you know, this is not the 4th of July. This is the 2nd of July. Do I have my dates right? Okay. So on July 4th, 1776, 50 men signed a document that made a declaration to Great Britain that they weren't the boss of us anymore that uh, we were free from their laws and their constraints, and we were a sovereign nation. We celebrate that on July 4th, but today's July 2nd. Little known fact, um, John Adams, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence uh, and uh, would be the future president, one of the presidents of the United States, actually said it was July 2nd, not July 4th. He wrote his wife, and he said that he believes that there's going to be a great celebration every year in this country on July 2nd. Of course, um, tonight he was right, because uh, here we are having a great celebration in this fine state of ours. 
But the reason it, it landed on the fourth and not the second is that um, most, though most of the people had signed the document on the second, it got held up in Congress. True story. There was a delay on the editing of the document itself, and that took a couple of days. Of course, now it would be a couple of years, but it took a couple of days. And so we now celebrate it on the fourth instead of the second. But here's what Jesus had to say about freedom and slavery. He said to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free Indeed, if the sun sets you free, you will be free. Indeed, there's a level of freedom that is better than political freedom, better than social freedom, better than any kind of freedom. And that's a spiritual liberation, a freedom from sin. And I want to just describe that briefly to you. Uh, Back in 1941, one of our presidents, President Roosevelt, in his famous speech, talked about the four freedoms. We have the freedom of speech. We should be guaranteed the freedom of speech, the freedom to worship, the freedom from want, and the freedom from fear. Those are social freedoms. They're very important, but they're social freedoms. When we think of political freedom, much like what we celebrate on July 4th, we could also go overseas when Scotland was fighting against England. And everybody has seen the movie Braveheart. And theirs was a struggle also against the same nation of England. Um, didn't turn out as favorably for them as it did for us. But in the movie Braveheart, which unfortunately is about all some people know of that struggle, um, Mel Gibson played William Wallace. And do you remember the film? Any of you remember the film? Okay, so we remember the great shouts in that movie, right? And before one of the battles that the Scots had against England, and they were fighting Edward I, they called him Longshanks. He was a bitter enemy of William Wallace. William rallies his troops, and he tells them, Fight, and you may die. Run, and you will live for a while. But let's tell our enemies that they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. You remember that line, right? Well, that's that's political freedom, and that's important too. Social freedom is important. Political freedom is also important. But when Jesus addresses the crowd in the text that I just read, he's talking about a different kind of freedom. And, and, And it wasn't what even the crowd was thinking about. They were thinking about freedom on a whole different level, like most people think about it today. But I want to make three statements based upon what we read in the text and see if you agree with the statements. Number one, freedom doesn't come from sin. That can only enslave you. Do you agree with that? Okay, you agree with that. Freedom doesn't come from sin. That can only enslave you. Here's the second statement. 
Freedom doesn't come from self that can only deceive you. Do you agree with that one? Here's the third one. Freedom comes from the son. He's the only one that redeems you. Do you agree with that statement? Because basically Jesus said all three of those things here. Now, I'm just briefly, and I'm not going to talk long tonight, but I'm going to briefly talk about those three statements and see, because if you don't agree with them, I want to reason with you a little bit. So here's the first statement. Freedom doesn't come from sin. That will only enslave you. There's an interesting thing about sin. It's very alluring. And it overpromises and it underdelivers. It promises that if you take it, if you do it, if you practice it, you will be free. After all, you ought to do whatever you want to do. That's ultimate freedom is to just feed your passions and whatever appetites you have, do them. Practice them. Have a ball. You'll be happier and more free if you do. It promises you that. Problem is it doesn't deliver that. It falls flat on it because it seems like when you get involved in something that is wrong, sinful, it's fun at first, but you want more of it and more of it because it doesn't stay there very long. It doesn't satisfy. The lingering part of it doesn't hold on for a long time. So it overpromises and underdelivers. Freedom doesn't come from sin. That will only enslave you. Back in the uh, 1960s um, and 70s when there was a lot of talk about freedom and we were uh, an anti-war society, at least in large part, uh, Janis Joplin sang a song, and the words some of you will remember, freedom's just another word for anybody? Nothing left to lose. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. I, I listened to that song, and I still listen to it, and I have one question every time I listen to it. What does she mean? I don't quite get it. What does it mean? Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. It sounds good, but it's kind of a stupid statement in my opinion. That's just my opinion. And it sort of sounds like you're rallying against something, and then you look at each other and go, now what are we against again? So I went on the Internet and, and checked out all the blogs that had something to do with that song, and I discovered that all the bloggers didn't know what it meant either. So I'm in good company. There's a lot of us that have no idea what she meant. She's just sort of talking about freedom and singing about freedom. But it illustrates a point. People are confused about what real freedom means. They're confused about it. They think it's a grand idea, a good idea, but they don't know where to draw the line or exactly what it means. So it's confused. And what the world will designate as freedom is often just another form of slavery. Let me, let me illustrate. For years, our country has advocated sexual freedom, saying you ought to be able to do whatever you want with your body whenever you want to do it. You are free to use your body however you want to use it. Sounds reasonable even in the courts today. The only problem with it is it brings up a, a slavery with it, a bondage with it. There are massive abortions because of that thinking. There are unwanted children in this country because of that freedom that people enjoy. So that kind of freedom can lead to bondage. 
Here's another freedom that's popular in our culture, experimental freedom. You ought to be able to drink and smoke and take any pill you want whenever you want it. Again, it's your body. You should have the freedom to experiment with it. We pay, because of that ideology, we pay $40 billion a year dealing with that problem in this country alone because of drug addiction. So, again, that freedom brings a bondage with it. Follow me so far. Then there's relational freedom. You ought to be able to marry and divorce and remarry and divorce and remarry anybody you want to whenever you want to. And that you have to pay a price for that too. There are children growing up without fathers, children growing up without families. Those freedoms bring a bondage with them. So, so listen, here's, here's the bottom line that I've discovered. The more you do as you please, the less you are pleased with what you do. The more you do as you please, the less you will be pleased with what you do. You enjoy those freedoms. You do what you want, but you go, you know what? Something's just not right. Something is not satisfying. Deep down in my heart, I am not a free person. So again, back to that statement. I hope you still agree with it. Freedom can't come from sin. That'll only enslave you. Here's the second statement based on this text. Freedom doesn't come from self. That will only deceive you. Now, Jesus said, if you sin, you'll be in slavery. That's the first point. Here's the second. This is what Jesus said. This is in verse 32. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then they answered him. Now listen to their answer. They answered him. We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be free? Did you hear what they said? We're free people. How can you say that we need to be free? We've always been free. We've never been slaves. You know, it's amazing. Human beings have an amazing capacity for self-deception. It's like they just want to make something up and say it over and over again, hoping that if they say it long enough, it'll be real. Who do they think they're kidding? They say we've never been slaves to anyone. They've always been slaves to someone, except for very few exceptions. Let's see. They were once in bondage as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Let's start there. They got back into their land. They were in their land for a while. The Assyrians came in and took them captive, 722 B.C., Let's see. Let's move ahead a little bit. 586 B.C., the Babylonians came in and captured them and took them captive. Later on, the Greco-Macedonian Empire took them as slaves. Later on, the Syrians up north took them as slaves. And when they're telling these words to Jesus at that very moment, they are slaves to the Roman government. Okay? Now listen to the statement again. We've never been slaves to anyone. Really? What universe do you live in? Uh, where are you orbiting around? Now, I think what they meant is they were proud Israeli people who no matter who they were under the physical slavery to, they felt free because they were descendants of Abraham. So here's the deal. They were looking to themselves to save themselves, to give them freedom. 
They were looking to themselves for salvation. Sort of like a, uh, an ethnic positive confession. Because we are Jewish people, we are never in bondage to anyone. And it illustrates a point. Mankind is incurably addicted to working for his salvation. We are. We're addicted to working. It's almost like we're always trying to prove that God should love us and, and, and trying to win his love. You know, ask a person, um, are, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you saved? Well, you know, I, I go to church and I pray every now and then and I give money even to good causes. They're telling me what they do. They're not telling me anything about how they relate to God. We are incurably addicted to working for our own salvation. Okay, so Jesus is having this conversation, right, with his Pharisees, with the religious leaders. They're making this statement. And then Jesus goes on to talk, and we don't have to read it. I'll sum it up. Uh, they, they say, we are Abraham's descendants. And Jesus says, fires back at him and says, now, if you were Abraham's descendants, you would believe me because he wrote about me. And then he said these words, you are of your father, the devil. How's that for a comeback? We've never been in bondage. We're sons of Abraham. Uh, no, reality check. You belong to the devil. You're his children. You see what I mean by we have an amazing capacity for self-deception? They were so smug in their self-righteousness that they believed they were going to heaven. When Jesus basically said, you are going to hell if you do not change and you rest in your own religion and your own self-righteousness, you are so deceived that you are going to hell while you think you're going to heaven. Now, please listen to me because this is serious stuff. I told you I talked to you a little bit about the most important issue in life, and that is, are you saved? There's a lot of people who think they are saved. Because Jesus said these words, it says, to those who believed in him in Jerusalem. There's a lot of people who will say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. But some kind of mental assent, it's possible to have some belief system in your mind. I agree. I think there's a God. And because I believe there's a God up there, it must make me a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the label I put on the God that I follow. You, you may not be saved. I don't want to get narrow on you. don't want to get legalistic. I just want to see you in heaven, honestly. I want to see you in heaven. So I want to say to you, if you are not sure, if you are not absolutely certain that if you were to die, you would go to heaven, then perhaps it's because you are in bondage. You are not free. You, like these fine religious people, thought they were going to heaven when Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. The worst form of badness is goodness that tries to be a substitute for the new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. And the worst form of badness is the disguise where a person lives sort of, does a few things, goes to church and hangs out and sings the little songs with the other little Christians. But deep in their life, they're hiding the reality. They're not a saved man or a woman. Jesus said this, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. That's a shock statement. 
because everybody thought the scribes and the Pharisees were like the most righteous people in the world. And for Jesus to say, got to do better than that, when that is the group that tried to keep all the laws and were working hard and were very sincere and very religious, and Jesus said, not good enough. Unless your righteousness exceeds theirs, you'll never go to heaven. That's the kind of a statement that should make you throw up your arms and say, I don't know how to do it then. I can't do it. I have no idea how to get to heaven if that's the case. Here's what he meant by it. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. Freedom doesn't come from self. That only deceives you. If you're saying, well, I'm a good person, I'm a pretty sincere person, you're probably lost. You're probably lost. You need a righteousness that he provides for you, that he gives you. That's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So freedom doesn't come from sin. That enslaves you. Freedom doesn't come from self. That deceives you. It leads me to my third statement based on the text. Freedom does come from the Son. He redeems you. Jesus' words, if the Son sets you free, ah, you will be free indeed. Or you will really, really be free if the Son sets you free. Why does he say that? Because it's simple. Jesus can do for you what you can't do for you. Jesus can do for you what religion can't do for you, what your background can't do for you, what your parents could never do for you. Only Jesus can do it for you. If the Son sets you free, you'll be really free. Jesus said in verse 31, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abraham Lincoln was called the great emancipator because of his abolition of slavery in 1865, the Emancipation Proclamation, a wonderful edict, a wonderful moment in history. But Jesus Christ is the greatest emancipator because he gives you the kind of freedom that we're talking about, freedom from sin, freedom from yourself, freedom from all of those constraints that hold you down. He's the greatest emancipator. You will know the truth, said Jesus, and the truth will set you free. <laughs> it's funny. That's a very famous statement, by the way. I've heard it and I've read it, and I've met people who have no idea it's even in the Bible. It's on many universities. You'll see the seals of many of the great, even Ivy League schools that will say, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And, and why that's a marvel to me is this. These are on advanced educational institutions filled with scholars and professors, right? Packed full of knowledge of history. And so when I read that on their institution, I think they should know better than that. They should know better than taking a text out of its context. Because there's an old saying, whenever you take a text out of context, you make it a pretext. You can make something say anything you want to. When Jesus said, and the truth will set you free if you know it, he wasn't talking about academic information, but spiritual transformation. That's the context of the text. 
But they, in these institutions, lift it out of its context, put it up on their little insignia, as if to say, if you just come to our school and learn a bunch, you'll be set free with a bunch of knowledge. No, you, you can get a Ph.D. at that school and be in as much bondage or more than the day you walked in. The sun will set you free. And I'll just tell you from personal experience, the dominant feature, the dominant experience for me, the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I grew up in a church, I grew up in a religious home, I wasn't a good boy necessarily, but I grew up with a religious background. But the moment, the afternoon in a summer, much like this, in San Jose, California, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the predominant experience I had was peace, was a lifting of a burden and a sense of freedom. If Braveheart would have been out by then, I would have gone, freedom! Because that's how I felt deep inside. And I knew that Jesus did that. I knew that I didn't do that. I know that my sin that I had practiced couldn't pull that off, but it's something that Jesus did. So once again, these three statements, freedom doesn't come from sin. That enslaves you. You agree with that? Freedom doesn't come from yourself. That'll deceive you. You agree with that? Freedom does come from the son. Only he redeems you. I hope and pray you believe that. And if it's never been something that you have wholeheartedly believed in, if you are still holding on to your sin or yourself, your background, your experience, your own capacity to imagine a better world for yourself and that ideal, you're bankrupt, friend. You're bankrupt. And I want to see you in heaven. There's only one way that can happen. And God provided the way. You say, that's a pretty narrow way. Well, it is narrow, but it's easy for us. He made it easy for the world. See, he did the heavy lifting. He took the rap for you. He did the heavy lifting. He's the one that died, so you don't have to. So it's not like you can stand there and go, oh, this is too hard. This is too narrow. You're not doing anything. You're not doing a thing except saying, yes, I agree with that, and I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior because he died for me. It's all you need to do. That's faith. You come by faith and you receive the gift of salvation and your life will never be the same. You'll find freedom. I'm going to have the worship team come up. I'm going to say a word of prayer and then I'm going to give those of you who have come to enter into something deeper than social freedom, than political freedom. All of that is good and we celebrate that. And we honor those in our country who have stood up and fought for that. But we're dealing with the most profound level of freedom ever. And that's freedom from sin. And freedom from a future payment of sin. You do not have to pay for your sin. You do not have to pay for it. If you want to, he'll let you. If you want that rap forever and ever in eternity, he'll let you do it. He'll honor your choice. But he's giving you a choice to say, I'd rather let him do it for me. And I'm going to receive what Jesus did for me as payment. And I'm going to give my life to him. And you'll never be sorry. Now, there's a lot of people. There's over 6,000 people here. But I want to give you time and give you an opportunity. Because then the fireworks are going to just mean a whole lot more. Right? So, 
As we sing this song, I'm going to ask those of you who have either never personally made a commitment to Christ. I'm not saying that, again, you're not a religious person. I went to church every week for years and I was not a saved person. Then there was a day where I heard a message like this from Dr. Billy Graham and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that changed because it was personal. It was real. It was authentic. It was from my heart. I meant it. And God took me just as I am. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you have never done that, if you're not sure, or if you have wandered away from the Lord and you need to come back, I'm going to ask you to get up from where you're standing. You might be sitting way in the back over there. God sees you and knows you and loves you. Or you might be in the front or anywhere in this facility. You could be over where thousands of people are in the park. There's pastors over there that are going to bring you over this way. You're doing business with God. Don't let a lot of people stand in the way of you making this decision. Now, let me explain why I'm asking you to come forward. Because you're thinking, wouldn't it be better if we could just bow our heads and just say a little prayer and then nobody knows who we are? Yeah, maybe, but it wouldn't be as great for you. See, we want to celebrate with you God changing your life. We want to celebrate with you God coming into your life through His Son, Jesus Christ. We want that, and we want it for you. Because I believe it does something for you and in you when you make a public demonstration of, I'm leaving the past, I'm leaving the world, and I'm coming to Jesus. And with that kind of encouragement you're going to get from us, and that kind of definite commitment that you make, I think that changes everything. Jesus so often called people publicly, called them out and said, make a stand right here, right now for me. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. And as you come forward, I'm going to pray with you when you get up here to receive Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance where you give your life to the Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we sing this song, whether you're here in the amphitheater, way back in some of these lateral arteries, up on the steps far to my left or out in the park we want you to come this way and we're going to give you time to do that Christ is my reward all of my devotion now there's nothing in this world ever satisfied come right on up here through every try, my soul will sing, no turning back, I've been set free, Christ is enough for me, Christ is enough for me, everything You are welcome here. We'll make room for you. Come on, come on down this way. Let's fill this place in. Maybe you're sitting way on the edge or you're way in the back and you're thinking, you know, I really want to just sort of come here and enjoy the 
food and the fireworks. I'm not really into this whole Jesus thing. That's okay, but you're here, and you heard something that gripped your heart, and you know it's true, and it's growing inside of you, and God is drawing you. It's an opportunity for you. Do not harden your heart. Don't close your heart. Say yes to Him, not no to Him. Say yes to Him. Come on up and join us. I've had people say to me, Ah, the church, it's full of hypocrites. Well, welcome to the hypocrite club. There's always room for one more. You can come too. It's called being a forgiven sinner. We're not perfect. We are forgiven. Come and get your forgiveness. It's found in Jesus. That's right. Come on over. All right. We got some from the park. Awesome. There you go. Awesome. That's why you're here. This is why you're here. This is why you came. Whether you thought you came for whatever reason, this is why you're here. Are you thirsty? Have you tried other things that just haven't filled you up? And aren't you just tired of all that? Aren't you tired of trying and chasing that and only to come up empty and thirstier in the end? And you want more of it and more of it, but it won't make you satisfied. So as, as Jesus is calling you, instead of fighting him, why don't you raise up the white flag and surrender to him? Say, yes, I'm going to do it. Because he made you and he loves you and he will forgive you. And I want you to remember that God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. Come and find out what it is. We're going to wait just a few more minutes. We got time. You know, we can't start the fireworks till like 9.15. That's the, that's when it gets dark. Maybe you're struggling with something and you've been struggling for a long time and you think, I, I can't get victory over that. will never happen. I've tried it. Allow the Lord himself to change your life and be amongst a group of people who will hold you up and encourage you and love you through the bad and the good. Anybody else, if you're in the park, if you're in the amphitheater, if you're way back in these rows, make your way down here. We'll sing it through one more time. i mm-hmm.
happy that you came. I'm so honored to stand with you. I remember that afternoon when I prayed a prayer like you're just about to pray. And I remember how things changed. And I, didn't, I didn't hear a voice from heaven. I didn't see the heavens open up and lightning come down. But what I knew and what I felt and what changed after that is what this is about. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray these words out loud after me and say them from your heart. Mean them. You're, you're talking to God. And, uh, and He's going to hear you. Let's pray. Say out loud. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I am a sinner and I know it. Please forgive me. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He died on the cross. I believe He shed His blood for me. I believe He rose from the grave. And I believe He's alive right now. I give You my life. I turn from my sin. I make You my Savior. I trust in You as my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name. And if you meant it, say, Amen. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.